Welcome to Sports, 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 the long hauler of sports and culture. Coming to you from independent remote quarantine locations with me tonight, my co-hosts, the exclamation point, the passionate one, Reed. Good evening. And the question mark, the man who cares nothing about sports, Rowdy. What's up, dudes? And in the middle of the period, my name is Snoop Gentleman, episode 141. How are we? Oh, you know, same old, same old. The silence tells me everything I need to know. No, I feel great. Well, I guess guess we should do this. I'm ready when you are, bruh. Hey, Rowdy. Hey. How about some sports? How about it? Uh, let's see. First of all, I think Reed wants to talk to us about some golf. Oh, yes, I do. Oh. I watch live game slash sports. I don't remember where we put golf on the continuum, but I watched some live golf this weekend, fellas. It was a charity event down in Florida uh, on Tiger Woods' home course. It was Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning versus Phil Mickelson and uh, Tampa Brady. There was some good trash talk. The best thing about it, though, is that Tom Brady is horrible at golf. It was utterly enjoyable. I watched every single hole. Really? He was terrible at golf. It was so awesome. Who'd you say he was paired with? Phil Mickelson. Oh, how'd Phil take all that? Uh, Phil was uh, Phil went pretty quickly, first hole or two, pretty quickly slid right into cult coach mode, uh, telling him how to read some greens, you know, how much power to use. Were they practicing social distancing? Sort of. Phil wouldn't touch anybody. Everybody else was kind of like bumping fist or patting on the back. But Phil said verbally a couple times, like, oh, can't touch anybody. Can't touch anybody. So he was just fist bumping the air. Was he just like, <laughs> like trolling or was he really thinking that's that's the case? Did Hard he, to tell. What was your, okay. I mean, all the whole camera crew, all the judges, uh, the spotters, like caddy dudes, uh, all had uh, masks on. But they were all wired up so you could hear them talking, and then the commentators could, like, patch into them and ask them questions and talk to them. It was actually kind of a pretty cool format. Huh. Um, I mean, it was probably made cooler just because I haven't watched live sports in 10 weeks. But, um, yeah. But it was – I mean, the the worst part about it is that Tom Brady had the best shot of the round. He hit. Uh, he got a birdie from like probably 140 yards out with a wedge from the fairway, knocked it in. I don't but, know what um, that means. Yeah, yeah, don't worry about it. Yeah, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he doesn't know. I don't know what 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 most of that is either. He uh, he had a pretty good shot, but man, I mean, Shankopotamuses. He was in the trees and the straw and the water. I mean, his drive is atrocious. He actually split his pants at one point, had to put on some rain Rain pants. Yeah, that was the other thing. It rained the entire time. Oh. But Peyton Manning, classic classic, uh, Peyton Manning, he changed his hat every few holes. So he had on a Tennessee hat, uh, the flag, the state of Tennessee hat. He had on a NOLA hat at one point. He had on a Peyton Manning Children's Hospital Indianapolis hat at one point. He was just making the rounds for all of his uh, fan bases and and uh, oh. interests, but you know, very very political play. Peyton Peyton's not great, but he's way better than Brady. Mm. And then Tiger uh, Tiger looks like he's in pretty good shape. Tiger had a great great round. Sorry, when you saying when you're saying Peyton's not much better, he's not great, but he's not much better than Tom Brady. That was just like a values assessment. Not of anything specific, just generally he's better. At golf. Oh, okay. I yeah. was I wasn't sure if you were just like he's he's a fine person. Well, uh, I, yeah, I'm may, I'm sure he probably is, but yeah. uh, at golf, he's a much better putter and uh, driver than uh, Brady, for sure. So this looks like this. Uh, they raised twenty million bucks. Twenty million dollars this tournament or this what do they call it? The match chair champions for charity. Yeah. Uh, raised $20 million for coronavirus relief efforts. 
So that's pretty impressive. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And they they changed the rules. Like they played best ball or alternate shot. or So every hole had kind of a different gimmick to it. It was pretty cool. Then they auctioned off the the, uh, golf carts at the end. The golf carts were all decaled up for each. Each player had their own golf cart. And so Peyton's had on like Tennessee checkerboard and a horseshoe and a Bronco. But Mm. Brady's just had on all TB12 stuff. <laughs> it had no Patriots or, or Buccaneers stuff, just TB12. You got to protect, you know? Yeah, He's protect like, the brand. Protect, protect, protect. Uh, and, and his it, personality, it, meh. He's a dude. It dud. also appears that they all wore short britches. Except for Brady. Well, because he tore his pants, right? Was well, he then wearing... he put on Raiden pants over it. The pants he tore were pants, not shorts. Oh, really? Put them right down the butt. Huh. Interesting. And this was at Medalist Golf Club? In Where Florida. Ah, uh, Florida. Yeah. Florida man Tom Brady couldn't leave. But I'll couldn't tell you what, Phil Mickelson is Chatty Cathy. Yeah? Yeah. Did he make any bets on, on – I hear he's a huge gambler. Did he make any side bets while they were playing? Uh, there were a couple side bets with, like, people would call in, like other celebrities, athletes would call in. And um, Charles Barkley bet Tom Brady fifty thousand that he'd give fifty thousand dollars to the, his charity if he hit the green in the next two holes, and of course Brady did not do that. Uh, but it was uh, it was entertaining. I mean, it was something to do for four hours on. Well, I guess that was I don't remember if that was Saturday or Sunday, hmm. but it it was it was interesting. So let's put it in perspective right now world without sports one to ten how do you rate it well how do i rate the golf match yeah like the viewing experience on a scale from one to ten ten being the best one being the worst i give it a solid seven in a world without sports now world of sports memorial day oh like a three I'm uninterested. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't even think it would. I mean, now they're talking about doing more of this, which I think is interesting. And I've heard the PGA is considering when they come back that they're not going to have any gallery, but that they, they're, they're considering miking the players. Players. Yeah. The golf players. I guess they are players. Yeah. Players. Players club player. Yeah. So, I don't know. Very good. Very good. What else we got? Uh, In other Florida news, the NBA is heading to Orlando. Tell us more about that. Disneyland. I'm going to Disney World. So, what I'm hearing – oh, is it Disney World in Florida? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, Disney World. Um, What I'm hearing, people are saying – Yeah, they're telling you. That – they're going to have the top – probably, there may be all 30 teams there, but more than likely they're going to have 16 – the 16 playoff teams that were, were playoff eligible when they suspended the season. I've mm-hmm. also heard that they would just do the top four from each mm-hmm. conference and just do a tournament of eight. That'd be mm. – see, that's how they should do it. We get Don't too like. Teams, too many teams, too many games. Just shorten it down. Make a mean the, N- the NHL is doing the opposite. They're, they said that when they come back, they're going straight into the playoffs with instead of eight teams with 24 teams. Interesting. Almost. Here's the problem, though. When they're all playing in the same spot, I heard Barkley talking about this, too. I think it was on Dan Patrick the other day. Uh-huh. Um, what happens when a player gets the coronavirus? That team's yeah. out. They can't just... Right. Then the player home, that whole team is out of the tournament. That's so how that work? Well, that's that 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 gives you an extra thing to to consider when you're placing bets. Yeah, so it's the wild card. I yeah, think it's, it's got to get interesting. So I don't know. It sounds like uh, well, first off, Doris Burke of the two um, the two options you provided. She's behind, apparently, uh, COVID-19 survivor Doris Burke is behind the idea oh, of bringing Doris back. Doris got it? 
Yeah. Who, who, who is Doris Burke? She's a commentator, NBA commentator. She's a sideline reporter. Uh, she calls games. No, she games. calls games. Oh, no. yeah. 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 So uh, she says she wants all of the teams. All 30. Back. No, all of the playoff teams. Oh, all 16. I tend to agree because if they just take the top four, I think the Pacers are out. Oh, because they're sitting at five? I think they're five yeah. or six. The other option is uh, that I saw was playoffs, like a mod, like a playoff game for that like seven, eight spot. Oh. So, yeah. So they would have like playing games uh, to get into that 16. So if you're still, if you're still uh, eligible. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they'll play all the games at uh, in Disney at Disney in the Space Jam Dome. No, no, they'll play it at the uh, oh, 220 acre ESPN Wide World of Sports Complex. I guess it's near Orlando. So, so there's they, three there's three arenas, and they'll rotate. And they're just going to have all the players like at a resort at the same resort with their families. Multiple resorts. Apparently, there's multiple hotels, not just rooms, but hotels at the Wide World of Sports Complex near Orlando, Florida. Wow. Hmm. Isn't Jupiter near Orlando? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That place is going to be booming. Yep. Now, what I haven't heard, uh, what people haven't told me, what I'm being told, not being told, is how many games you have to play for it to be considered a season. I, w- I don't know if that's in the... I don't think that's a thing because they've done yeah. strike seasons and lockouts. Sure, but that's different because they've they've negotiated that. But once like the strike happens, I don't know if a player... Like if it's 30 games into the season and it happens, I don't know if you, that counts as uh, service time or not. Oh, yeah. The other thing to think about is, you know, if you have an overseas player, are they even going to be able to get back into the country? That's true. So this just, I don't know, doesn't seem like a great idea because there's too many, you know, too many variables of, will you have all your players? What if somebody gets the virus? What if somebody gets the virus in a hotel? Somebody's definitely getting the virus. Mm Mm-hmm. It's Florida. <laughs> I mean, I can't think of a worse state to have this in. Uh, so, the, I mean, the, this is this, this is kind of crazy. But if I read a thing that was saying that coronavirus, because the common cold is a coronavirus, so it's, mm-hmm. there's like four coronaviruses that contribute to the common cold, something like that. So they were saying that this coronavirus could be like the fifth. The fifth virus like this that just doesn't go away. Mm. And so we, essentially it was just saying, like, we need to prepare for a future where we're just living with this instead of, like, trying to say, like, okay, we're going to have a vaccine or whatever. Like, that just might not happen. Like, we may just yeah. be – this may just be how things are now. So in that instance, do you think we're going to start seeing these, like, bubble leaks where it's like – you know, we yeah. talked about like the different teams competing on cruise ships or we, now we've got them like locked up at Disney World. Like we're we going to have like bubble like uh, bubble communities of like the NFL plays, you know, they all live and play in this one area and the NBA is all in this other area. And so no fans. It's and, and like yeah. anyone who's there, it's like. No, you're like living in like NBA village or NFL village. You know, I could see that, but I think it, what would be more likely to happen if we're going to go that direction is that the leagues go back to what it was before where it's more regional. Mm-hmm. So you have a South NBA and an East NBA. Mm. Right? And it, well, I guess that's like mid-Atlantic NBA. Basically four to six leagues or four to eight leagues, and then the champions of those would go to a central location and play uh, some sort of, of tournament. But you would have you know, those leagues, 
that I, I would guess this is it would only be temporary in some respects because as soon as you break it up and one league becomes powerful, then just like in conferences in college football, mm-hmm. okay, well, now we want to consolidate because if we have X amount of teams, we can get Y amount of money for TV rights, and then now we can negotiate better deals and get better players, and then it's just this, like, mm. constantly evolving thing. So then they would eventually, like glob back together but i think that's what would be more likely is especially in college football but in in other sports i could see it breaking off and being like all right these eight teams because that's what they talked about with baseball is you're going to only play your teams more often you only play teams that are within like a four to six hour bus ride where you won't have to where you won't have to to fly Mm -hmm. Um, so I could see that happening. I don't think it'll be like put them all in one pl- place for, you know, six months or whatever. Yeah. Reed, you got you to gotta take on that? I don't know. It, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I mean, I could see them doing that. They definitely are going to have to do something because I think Rowdy's right. I mean, even if there is a vaccine, that's not coming for probably – what 18 months a year to 18 months so they're going to have to do something they've got this season and probably an an additional season uh that they're going to have to worry about but i just i don't foresee this orlando thing going as well i mean the plan is not cemented yet they're still talking about whether it's all teams or 16 teams eight teams whatever but i just see this as getting not going not going well or not at least not going as planned and there's a litmus test huh i mean everybody's going to wait to see what happens with the nba before nfl and ncaa and all that i think start messing around well the ncaa is going to do their own thing because they're trying to get like who was it bob bowlesby was saying they were talking about well how can you have football if you don't how can you have sports if you don't have kids on campus and he's like what you know, there's some ways around that. Yeah. Like, but they're students. They're student athletes. They state, think, yeah, they're not state employees. Yeah. Somehow they're going to find a way to say students are not allowed on campus unless you're a student athlete, which is definitely the same thing, but not the same thing. Right. Because chemistry majors don't make us the same amount of money as football players. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> On average, seventy-eight million dollars per, right. per major uh, major team in a major conference. It's like this. I think I've said this before, but to me, this is this is the end of the whole facade. Like this, this breaks it down. I the hope entire so. amateur model is gone after this because I you hope cannot so. you cannot continue to portray yourself as student athletes, as amateurs, as students first, all these things, if you're going to have kids come back to school when the rest of the campus is shut down. Right. You're just blatantly saying these kids are different. Yeah. So there, I'll put my soapbox away. What else? There you go. What else we got, Rowdy? Uh, Let's see. Oh, well, just uh, another just minor note. The National Women's uh, Soccer League has uh, announced that they will they will be the first U.S. sports league to return to play. Oh, really? Yeah. So they uh, they are going to play four games to determine seeds, and then uh, the top eight teams will advance to a quarterfinal knockout round. So they're basically just going straight into a, a, a tournament. Where is this being held? Uh, so it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be June twenty seventh uh, is, is when it's gonna start. It's gonna go for thirty days. Uh, so those preliminary games are gonna be in uh, Harriman, Utah, at mm. Zion's Bank Stadium, and, and then the semifinals and final will be played at Rio Tinto Stadium in Sandy, Utah. So, Utah, uh, huh? Yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. So that, we are, that is we the are, first. That's the first to go back. So, I think there is a Rio Tinto Stadium. I think that's where Real Salt Lake plays. Anyway, that's all I got to say about that. Well, so that's going to be the litmus test, in essence. Yeah. Even, even yeah. before the NBA. Well, and their plan right now is they said that 
if they're if they're traveling to Utah, the players and the staff are all going to be tested weekly in the preseason. And then they'll also do another test 48 to 72 hours before, uh, uh, before they travel to Utah. That's for anyone, players, staff, their family, anybody. Um, not sure about like how it, how the actual like in season testing mm. is going to go, but some people are saying it'll probably be uh, twice a week that they'll be tested. Um, and then if they test positive, they're going to immediately isolate the player from the team and basically have them just stay in their own uh, hotel room or apartment or whatever. Close. Um, what was that? Motorcycle. Outside? <laughs> yeah. This is hog country, bro. I guess. <laughs> but yeah, so if you if you test positive, then the, their entire team would be tested and contact traced, but they wouldn't be quarantined. Um, and so they're essentially they're doing the the village idea. So they're going to have uh, they're going to try to find two hotels near the stadium to basically make a uh, national women's soccer league state uh, village uh where all the players and the staff and everything else can can stay um but and they're going to so hold on so all of these women are going to uh pill have uh what, what would you say migrate to utah mm-hmm. for their belief they would they're going to settle in utah yep based yep. on the belief that they should play soccer yes Man, but that, the prophecy but that, is real but yeah. that problem is that it all depends on whether or not the players are willing to have a compressed season in Utah. And so they can choose not to play. And so, um, there, you know, there's some of these players who are, who are hoping to go to the Olympics in 2021. Yeah. And so, and, and also older players are, are basically like, yeah, I'm not totally sure about this. Well, see, that, that's going to delegitimize the tournament if people aren't – if, like, stars don't play or, you know, uh, certain players that are really going to affect the chemistry of the team or something. This could get squirrely. Yeah. No, it'll be interesting. But like you said, this will be – it'll be interesting to watch to just kind of see how the whole yeah, for sure. thing goes. I mean, it's pretty, like um, – I mean, granted, it's a smaller. Um, I don't know how many how many women are actually in that league, but um, I mean, two hotels worth. So it's a smaller, smaller yeah. league than than what we're looking at for like the NBA or the NFL. Right. So I think it will be kind of an interesting test case. But but I don't have a problem uh, in some respects. I don't have a problem. At least you know these women. Everybody has a choice. To again, do they? That. <laughs> What's that? Do they? Yeah, <laughs> that, that's going to be my next point. Is uh, I'm not so concerned about the athletes as I am all of the supporting cast, right? Sports the bus driver, mm-hmm. the, equipment the, people. the equipment people, the people who are serving you the dollar hot dog. Oh, right? yeah, that's even, even so, even in the 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 village where you're staying in the hotels it's like hospitality people yeah Yeah, how are you how are you taking care of the uh, yeah of the hotels hotel staff and and cleaning crews and and all that so that's how it's gonna get in you forced well not just that but like you forced all of this upon them where you know they didn't have a say in it if you're working the front desk all of a sudden you know, 400, 500, 600 people move in, plus anybody that's coming to, I don't know if they're going to allow people into the matches, does it say? Certainly uh, not. Yeah, I didn't see, but I don't think so. Well, I mean, that's, yeah, that that's where I have the problem. We've, we've sprung up this whole economy and this whole infrastructure around sports, which is great, which is part of what I think is so interesting about the whole thing. I think, you know, it, we we took something and somebody else said this, so these aren't exactly my words, but we took some we took something that doesn't matter and we built something that matters over it. Right. And now we're putting all those things that actually matter in danger to try and make the thing that doesn't matter happen. Good point. It's like 
That's craziness. Yeah. So, yeah. This is coming from a sports fan, just so we're clear. Like, right. I think we need, I understand too, that we need the distraction, but. Well, not to mention that, I mean, did you see all those morons in the Lake of the Ozarks at that big beach part, pool party uh, over the weekend? I mean, we're 10 to 14 days out from having spikes because of uh, Memorial Day parties and get-togethers yeah. and vacations and all that. So, we, I mean, who knows where we're even going to be even before these women start uh, getting organized and playing these matches. I mean... Yeah, uh, it's just I don't know how all of these huge entities are planning for this and what their what their backup plans are, but I hope they have a handful of them because this I'm skeptical. Mm-hmm. You look skeptical. All right, so now it's time for uh, our good friend Dennis Chu, food editor, to give us another story from the Seven Feats of Yao. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us again here, Dennis. How? What feet is this? Yeah, this, which, is feet, this is feet five. Feet, feet five. five. Okay. okay, Dennis, thanks for joining us again, buddy. Always, always happy to be here, guys. So razzle dazzle us. So, well, guys, before I start, I had to point out something. So, as the official stab boy of the show, right? Uh, in the past, I've always pointed. What route did you get wrong this time? Yeah. Reed, actually, it was you who got it wrong. I, not it was you. It's always you who gets it wrong. So uh, I don't remember many uh, sports statistics that Rowdy would be spitting out on the show. So it's usually either you or Snoop, and most often it's you. I'm the champion. Yeah, but he, says it, he says it so passionately, we just roll with it. That's right. Yeah. If you, like, if you can convince people, it doesn't matter if it's true. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, after after last week's show, when you were talking about the Utah Jazz and during the 96 finals and everything, uh, which include uh, Halpacek, and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I don't remember a player by such a name. I, I Googled them, and sure enough, there wasn't a player by such a name. I'm thinking that you might have been thinking in the wrong era and as well as the wrong team. But I, I do believe that you got the Hornacek. I do believe you got the skin color of the player correctly. So hey, congratulations there. There we go. White guy. So uh, so as the official statistician of uh, of, uh, of sports, 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 as well as the food editor. Oh, I think he promoted himself. Yeah, we're not paying you for, for that first, first gig. All right, guys. So, uh, back to uh, back to the original reason of why why I was brought here to the first place. Um, I'm actually going to tell you guys my favorite story of Yao. I was saving this for last, but I decided to go a different route and share the best story today. Remember that shoe that uh, that of Yao means I have? Yeah. And uh, in fact, I only have one shoe. I'm going to tell you guys the story how I got this shoe. Uh, there was one day Yaomi was being in- interviewed by reporters in the, lock- in, uh, in the locker room after practice. It wasn't a game, which is after practice. There was one reporter who was recording uh, his voice only. And she made a kind of, um, uh, she, she asked sort of a, 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 a funny question. She said, um, just out of curiosity, you know, for our, for our listeners out there, um, did you eat a lot as a kid in order for you to get grow so tall? Uh, and he decided that he was going to poke fun me at a time whom I was standing right next to him at a time. He was sitting down, I was standing right next to him. He says, nah, man, when we were growing up, this kid stole all my food. Why do you think he's so fat? <laughs> <laughs> While it was being recorded, right? So On the record. On the record. With other players around, with you know other personnel around, there were other, there were other reporters around. I mean, there was just a lot of people, right? Immediately, you know, like I just getting bears turned bread. You know, everyone's looking at me. A few people are chuckling, this and that. So I'm just furious at this point. I am pissed. <laughs> and I was driving him home that day, and the entire drive, I was just pissed. And I'm thinking to myself, how am I going to get you back? So I came up with this ingenious idea, right? I told him that we were going to go to uh, this new restaurant and we were meeting our moms there for lunch and that they had called to ask for us to meet them there. And, you know, he bought it. I don't know why he bought it because it's not like that was not a uh, 
that was not something we did on the regular, but that was not something we ever did. So, so we, I, we drove to the Galleria, which at the time was roughly about a 10, 15 minute drive from where the practice facility was opposite uh, direction of, of where we lived at the time, which was in Sugarland, Texas. <clears throat> and uh, we get there and I'm thinking to myself, like, okay, so we're, I got to, uh, I'm still trying to, I'm still trying to plan out what I'm going to do at this point. I still never planned out. It just, we got to a point, you know, he turned his back on me for one moment and I just took off. <laughs> I left him at the gallery mall. <laughs> Went home and uh, I walked in and, you know, our moms were together, you know, they were cooking or something. I don't know what they're doing. I walk in and one of them asked me, Hey, where's, uh, you know, where's, where, where's y'all? And I said, I left his at the gallery mall. <laughs> <laughs> and they just both look at me like, you did what? I'm like, yeah, I, like I left that at the gallery mall. <laughs> I, I mean, I was passionate. I was pissed. Like, they could tell how upset I was. Mm. His mom didn't drive. So they're asking me to go back to, to go pick him up. I absolutely refuse. I'm cursing at this point, throwing And, um, and finally, my mom, you know, decided that she, uh, the, the two of them were going to go back to the gallery mall to pick him up. And, you know, the guy, seven, six, it's not like he was going to hide anywhere. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, and this must have been about, I don't know, maybe hour, hour, 20 minutes later, they, find, they, they get back there. And of course, they don't have to look for him. They just go wherever the crowd is and where they hear, you know, the, all the noise is coming from. Yeah. And all the kids following him around. So he was so thankful that someone came and got him. And of course, you know, how I felt going there, you know, and leaving his, his there was like probably how he felt about me coming home through that ride, right? <laughs> he gets in and he just screaming and we're just screaming at each other. And at one point we start throwing things at each other. He picked up his shoe, like straight off his foot and just chucked it at me. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I'm not sure if, if you guys have ever thrown a shoe across maybe, I don't know, I'm guessing it might have been 10, 12 yards away. It was a you know, fairly large living room. But a shoe is not the most aerodynamic thing to throw, right? So especially when you throw at the wrong angle, it kind of waddles. So it's not going towards the direction that you intended to. A bounce off something, I'm pretty sure it broke something and it landed in my hand. And if you guys remember the story, it kind of goes back. I could never get shoes from him. The first store I ever told you how much he valued shoes, right? Right, so, right. So I could never get his shoes from him. So I'm over here holding his shoe in my hand, and I just looked at him and said, I'm keeping it. And, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> and you still have it to this day, huh? What I kind of treatment you got on that shoe, Dennis? Nothing, got that man. thing in an acrylic case? It's not in the acrylic case. It's literally just sitting upstairs in the box. <laughs> so that's my souvenir. I that's awesome. I walked out with one of his shoes. You know what? No, I think about it. I, I'm sure I got some DNA evidence in there as well that, you know, one day if the apocalypse ever happens, we, we can clone some giants. Not a problem. <laughs> now I got that's two awesome. pieces of DNA property. <laughs> Coming from the tallest man in China. So he just walked out, he just walked out with, with, with a bare foot? No, he was at home. I walked out with a, with a shoe of his. <laughs> so that was my trophy. Gotcha. It was just, okay. Yeah. Please so, so like brothers. That is that is the story of uh, when I left Yaomi at the Galleria Mall in uh, in Houston, Texas. Please tell me that the shoe he threw at you was like a floor shine wingtip or something. It wasn't even no. a basketball shoe. No, it was it was. It was, it was a nice shoe. Those were Nikes, man. Those were Nikes. Okay. It was a croc. It was a croc. Yeah. <laughs> this is Yao's croc. Sure, it um, is. <laughs> those were Nikes. Uh, you know, our relationship, I'd like to tell you, wasn't the same ever since, but, you know, it actually was the exact same, you know, the very next day. <laughs> Went to practice, picked him up, took him home, and, uh, and there was one shoe without the other just sitting there by itself. Very That's good. Great. That was a good yep. story. Thanks, man. All right. Well, thanks, Dennis. Gents, it's been a pleasure. You guys stay safe out there. Take care, guys. Yep. All, All right. right. See you, Dennis. Talk to you later. In a lifetime, did 
Thank you, Kenny Loggins, for bringing us in. What do we have this week for Real Sports Rowdy? It is Over the Top. Yes. Starring Sylvester Stallone. Sly Guy. Uh-huh. So this movie came out in 87. Where, where do you want to start with this one? Um, well, I think there's some interesting backstory to this movie. So uh, this was this was created by Canon Films, mm-hmm. which if you if you want to get the full story, there's a documentary called Electric Boogaloo, The Wild Untold Story of Canon Films. Came well, it's out. not going to be untold for long. Yeah. Well, it came out five or six years ago, so the story it came out two years ago. It's been told. But these the guys story told. cranked out. I mean, like, video stores were kind of their their market. So they they just, they would crank out hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of movies. Um, and in the early 80s, just had a ton of success. Um, but by the mid-80s, they were like, okay, we want to we want to up our, our game here. We want to compete with the major, major studios. And so to the, the owners of Canon films, Menachem Golan and Yoram Globus. Great accent. Yeah. They nailed it. For some reason, Sylvester Stallone was like the guy that they wanted to get. And for some reason, are you kidding me? I mean, 87 Sly Stallone. So this was, I think they started approaching him in like 82 or 83. Oh, that's a deal, which if you watch over the top, you'll know how much, how much time and heart and soul went into this movie. And product Uh, placement. (laughs) Basically they were, they were like, okay, uh, we, we want Sylvester Stallone and his management was like, no, my client will not work for you for $10 million. Okay, Sly. So they're like, okay. And so they just upped it. And so what's awesome in that Electric Boogaloo documentary, they just different people chime in. They're like, yeah, so they had to offer him $12 million. They had to offer him $13 million. They had to offer him $15 million. They had to offer him $25 million. So like no one knows what this number was, but it was it was apparently huge. And so this was actually in in the documentary. They basically said that changed the game in Hollywood. Like that was that was one of the first where it was just like the the star power equating to these just like ridiculous dollar amounts. Is um, this the same documentary where they pit where they kind of set the stage where they pit Schwarzenegger against Stallone in like a bidding war? Did they do? Did they do? Um, Stop or my mom will shoot. Okay, that's a different documentary. I saw one where they were the the studios were going back between Schwarzenegger and Stallone and saying, "Well, Stallone's going to do it." So Schwarzenegger was like, "Well, then I want to do it." And they were like, you know, created their own bidding war. Anyway, yeah, yeah. So they they ended up making this movie. Who knows how much they paid Sylvester Stallone, but they paid him a lot of money, and so he's basically just like. All right. They just kept offering me more and more money. So he's just like, all right, I don't care. No one's going to see this movie. I'll, I'll do it. Oh, contraire. So, Reed, what, how, in a nutshell, describe this, describe this film. Okay. So Sly's a trucker. Uh huh. And he is estranged from his wife and son. His father in law is a, super rich dude that hates him for leaving. We never really understand why he left his wife and son, but, and he's gotten into this like underground or like trucker amateur, uh, arm wrestling society. I don't know what it is. It's a tournament. tournament. Well, but he like in early in the movie, he's like, they're just like arm wrestling at truck stops. It's like a thing they do. You don't do that? Um, I haven't been to a truck stop in a while. Oh, but uh, Flying J, by the way, if you're ever out on the road, uh, top tier. But um, so, yeah, he finally gets into this. He gets reunited with his son. They take like a little short road trip. His son's a real... Uh, Colorado uh, to California. That's where they're driving. 
Well, sort of, though. Well, hold on, then, because they, they no, first of on. all, he took an 18-wheeler on the rim road at the Grand Canyon, which there's no way in hell that would happen. And then, I, he, then they made it to Monument Valley. Yeah, I was mapping this out. So they were in Colorado. They go all the way to the Grand Canyon, and then they have to go back northeast to Monument Valley. Valley. Yeah. And then to California, I'm assuming yeah. L.A., and then to Vegas. So, yeah, yeah right. I, th- I don't think Sylvester Stallone I, – well, we don't ever actually – we only see him make a delivery like once. Yeah, and, then, and, then, and then one of the days when he's supposed to be working, when he's got his son with him in the truck, they spend the whole day just exercising together. Well, I, don't think he's very good, uh, I don't think he's a very good truck driver. Every Stallone movie has to have a training montage. It's in his contract. Uh-huh. <laughs> But he's gotta get uh, it in, man. He's got to get it in. Yeah, his little kid, little precocious. precocious <laughs> he was, I did not like that kid. That kid needed to be set straight. Sly was very patient with that kid. I was <laughs> the whole time. I was thinking it was the kid from Flight of the Navigator, but it definitely was not. No, I, I, I thought I recognized him too. I, I looked that. him up. Yeah, yeah, I thought that too. I was yeah. like, kids from something. He's yeah. one of those kids that that was was a cute child actor and then you see the photos of him as an adult and it's like oh, busted, busted. <laughs> yeah he was no. on three seasons worth of magnum pi oh okay yeah uh, but in his glory days when he was like 12 yeah probably in his teens yeah i do i do want to point out this isn't like the the arm wrestling tournament thing it's not a crazy concept i believe that more than once the world championships of arm wrestling have been right here in Indiana, in Evansville, Indiana. Really? I know, I know there's a guy from Floyd's Knobs uh, down uh, right across the river from Louisville uh, that was a champ uh, once. So, th- I mean, there there are really a number of pro arm wrestling leagues. We should uh, go to this. Well, I you mean, can't you now. Know, I mean, think the about world ever comes back. <laughs> I was going to say, like, as far as sports go, this is this is probably one of the like. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. uh, ground zero. Uh, oh, for COVID sure. COVID right, sports. You're right in each other's faces, breathing and huffing and puffing and yelling. Yeah. Did you also notice that? So uh, let me go back to the 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 movie a minute. He finally gets to Vegas. It's a hundred thousand dollar prize and a brand new Volvo uh, rig. Truck. Yeah, the, which it's like the you're, just, you're just assuming that all everybody's a trucker. Yeah, I guess. All, yeah. Arm wrestles are truck drivers, right? I also noticed the uh, price for the women's competition was only fifty thousand dollars and no big rig. Ooh, so you're assuming all women aren't drivers? Uh, I guess so. And they didn't even get up to that seventy-seven cents on the dollar. They sure did not. Well, most big are big rigs automatic or or now they are, but back then they weren't. Well, so you, you saying a, you say a woman read, can't shift read, gear? Yeah, read, read, let them. To let him dig his own hole. You go ahead, Daddy. What are you saying? They can't oh, reach the clutch pedal. Yeah. I'll just let you all connect the dots. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'm saying I can't drive a stick shift. Uh-huh. Hey, uh-huh. And? and it makes you less of a man because of that. That's what I'm hearing. No, I'm saying you shouldn't feel bad about that. Did you also notice that I'm advocating for people who can't who can't drive stick shifts? Okay, okay, okay. The announcer (laughs) said that it was a double elimination tournament at least ten times in about twelve minutes of film. Well, they have to remember they have to to set it all up. Elimination. Well, they got to make it make sure that when you see because those arm wrestling matches are so short that when you see Sylvester Stallone lose, you know, okay, it's not over. I guess. I mean, they really, they really had uh, pinpointed who their audience was with the dialogue, with the script. There, they wanted to make sure everybody knew the rules. <laughs> There's a guy named Cobra Rhodes in the Arm Wrestling Hall of Fame. Just That's a great name. name. Yep. Well, the guy who is like the, actually the dude who uh, Sylvester Stallone's character, uh, what was it, something Hawk. Yeah, Link, Lincoln, Link Hawk, Link Hawk, Lincoln Hawk. Lincoln Hawk. Hawk. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the character, the guy that he he was based on is this guy named John Brzezink, yeah. and he, he's he awesome. like from like the early eighties. He's he so he started in eighty two, and he is still competing. 
Like this guy, this guy is insane. Like he's, it's kind of dropped off here a little bit, but in 2015, he was the, um, uh, world arm wrestling league, uh, heavyweight champion. And apparently, so I was watching some YouTube videos where they were talking about some different arm wrestlers were talking about the technique and it is a lot more complex than you would think. Like one of the arm wrestlers described it as a martial art basically in miniature because he was saying there are leverage. Well, he was saying that you're, you know, initially it's like, okay, you just get a grip and you're just trying to push. And he's like, what you're really trying to do is, um, you're actually trying to elevate your thumb, your thumb line and, and you want to have a higher and a deeper hand position than your opponent because it gives you more leverage. And so if you watch some of these actual arm wrestling matches, they're changing their grip all the yeah. time in these they're matches. They're going over the top. And just getting some really wild grips. Um, but at the same time, they've got to have you know an elbow on the table. If an elbow comes up, it's a foul. Two fouls, you lose. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is like, it, it's pretty wild. And also you have to think about how, if you, you have to have your arm turned in towards your body, because if it's turned out just even the slightest amount, uh, I think it's like 15 pounds of pressure is all it takes to Explode break your, your, elbow. your, your humerus. Oh, so a lot yeah. of arm wrestlers, they'll snap their, snap their humerus. Yeah. Hmm. Um, but yeah, so there's there's just a lot of technique to it that I never really would have thought. So they were saying you actually are you're trying to bring the other person close to you. They're like, don't think yeah. about pinning them. You just want to try to get them close to you, and then you get that leverage and and Turn just shoulder moving it yeah. higher. Yeah, uh, and then and then use your whole body to uh, to lift, it, which you can actually, it's. Uh, it's fair to actually you have to start the match with i think at least one foot on the ground but once it starts you can you can, have, you, can have, you can have both feet off the ground so you could like literally hang like, on them hang on them yeah wow. um, you guys hang seen those, have you guys seen those russian slapping competitions that are the, they're set up exactly like arm wrestling but instead of arm wrestling they slap each other in the face uh, no, but I think we should cover that. It's it is incredible. <laughs> I mean, they it's they called. get chalked up. Oh, so man. instead of instead so they get of, chalked all over their faces. Yeah, and I mean, guys go uh, guys go lights out. They knock each other out. Instead huh. of over top over the top, it's called across the cheek. Across yeah, across the stern. Across the jaw. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So uh, John Brzezink's known for two types of techniques: the top roll. And the the hook, so there's another piece of the uh, well, yeah, uh, he, strategy you're talking about is you got to s- switch what kind of move you're gonna do on this guy. Yeah, so what uh, he's known for. Okay. Yeah, so what John Berzink is known for is every time he competes, he changes his technique, and sometimes he even changes it in the same in the same match with the same opponent Mm -hmm. and so um yeah i mean he uh because he's mixing it up no one knows no one knows what to predict but yeah it's i mean it is i I think when you think about arm wrestling i mean granted the movie is it's it's pretty goofy um and i would say they probably cast a lot of the same extras that um the Hulk Hogan movie did just a lot of beefy, hairy men uh, screaming like animals. A lot of beefy. apparently there were a lot of those guys in the eighties. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like when you think about it as a martial art, it's uh, it, it kind of makes a lot of sense. Like there's a lot actually happening in uh, in a pretty small space and sh- small amount of time. But interesting. Well, I've never thought about it like that, and probably won't after this show. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like it. Makes me want to. I might have to arm wrestle my wife because watching watching these watching these YouTube videos, I'm like, I kind of want to try some of these techniques because, um, 
Well, I mean, you've got the table where you hold the peg. So that's, right. that's kind of interesting. So you have to hold the peg the whole time. But yeah, just some of those things where I ha have not really thought about, like the the angle that you're pulling, the, um, yeah, there's just a lot of the physics of it that I had not really thought about that, that's kind of interesting. So I don't know, who knows? Maybe I can get my wife watching some of these YouTube videos too. We can, I don't know, we might try it that, out. That might be a new skill. You, it's one of those things where it's like, I I could be amazing at it. You You're could, not. and I don't know. You're well, I, but I've never tried it, so I don't know if That's I'm not amazing. The at it. The other thing I thought was interesting is they did it at least until it got to the final round, the final four, whatever. They did it by weight class, mm -hmm. which I thought was interesting. Yeah, they they that is. Uh, that's what they do. They have different weight classes in these professional leagues as well. The biggest uh, person, the biggest uh, opponent that John Brzezink has ever faced, it was 660 pounds. That is insane. <laughs> oh, did he beat him? He did. Only a few people have ever beaten John Brzezink. Well, He's I only saw lost one super match in his entire career, and most of his losses have come later in his career when he was at an advanced age. That oh, last wow! Wait from the page. That's interesting. Yeah, I like I, I read that his forearm is 16 inches in circumference. Yeah, uh, his right forearm, his left is 13 and a half, and well, basically he... any time he's driving around, he has like the little grip things, and so he's. Yeah constantly training with uh with those well that's what sly was doing he had the whole pulley system and the plate weights in the back in in his uh yeah. cab he was always driving with his left hand and pumping iron with his mm -hmm. right as he as he rolled down the road as he drove from colorado to the grand canyon back to new mexico and utah and then to la you know so what? He, could, he couldn't admit he was lost he just yeah. couldn't admit it the well, only trailer i saw he was hauling was brute aftershave mm. with the tagline was it smells like a man gross mm. <laughs> gross yeah gross. very good very good very good what you there's think also a it? hot toyota truck in that movie too huh oh yeah the, the toyota truck that the kids stole yeah with the roll yeah. bar in the back and the extra seat in the bed it was dope oh like yeah. a forerunner yeah and when you steal that truck from robert loggia I mean that's that's even better. Yeah, yeah. Robert Loggia was the bad guy. Yeah, he he yeah. makes a great that guy. He does a rich mean guy. Yeah. So what do you think about that uh, that whole kidnapping situation? What do you mean? Like, yeah, they the his grandfather sent his goons to kidnap him from Sly. Do all he had custody? Yeah, but do all rich white men have goons? Like I was doing the eighties. I would. I yeah, would totally. apparently. Actually, I think they probably all do now, too. Mr. Clayton's not done talking to you. <laughs> yeah, and he just blasts that dude through those French doors. <laughs> yeah, I mean, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you have goons? I, I totally have I would, goons. I would have to protect, all my, to protect all my statues and fountains. My investments. Yeah. My precious jewels. No, I would have no use for, for goons whatsoever. Really? I would not. No, I wouldn't align myself with any situation where goons were necessary. Oh, I'd have what about like, for your dirty work. Yeah, I don't I have, have any dirty work. Then you're never going to get that rich. That's true. That's so you exactly. never have to worry about it. That's exactly right. Okay, so you did make a good point there at the end. So I will say, all rich men have goons. <laughs> That's a really good point. Yeah. I would have those um, ninja women from uh, what was that Tarantino movie? Kill Bill. Oh, yeah, Kill mm -hmm. Bill. I'd have like a Kill Bill squad for my goons. Yep. Lucy Liu squad. Yeah, but they're not intended. Like, you can't go tell, uh, what is it, the Five Fingers of Death? Yeah. Uh, you can't tell them to go kidnap a boy. That's yeah, not what they're If no, it was my wait. grandson. Nah, that's not what they're there for. I mean, they're there I, for killing. Hey, they're well, on the payroll. Some of these goons, they're probably, some of these goons probably have good hearts, but they're probably. Not down on their luck story. They're down on their luck goons. Yeah, it's like they're always stupid too. It's like in the movie Assassin Thirty Three A.D. Oh my god! Oh my god! When the security guard 
realizes that uh, they've they've captured this scientist, and uh, they they say he says that they're the the extremist who's well, the, the owner of the company says they're going to so. kill his parents to get the information about time travel, uh-huh, and uh-huh. the guy, and then and then the guy's like wait, but you're not really going to kill them, right? And he's like, no, no, no. This is just a thing I say to get the information. And then once that guy's out of the room, the good goon, they kill the parents. Dirty. So that's, so yeah. So I think there's some of these goons that probably do have good hearts. Why'd you do that? You just spoiled the movie for me. The only person on earth that has watched that movie is Rowdy. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably true. And Spencer Pratt. I had to watch it. Well, yeah, I mean, but they probably still only watched the dailies. They didn't watch the full final cut. Uh-huh. <laughs> you gotta see all the effects. Like it's, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep talking about this until everyone. I'm, I have no doubt that you will. You, you were about to qualify it, and you stopped. I don't know if you realize that. So I think that tells me everything I need to know about the movie. <laughs> it's uh. So anyway, (laughs) (laughs) you won't be able to stop thinking about it. That's probably true. Oh, man. But is it thinking about it in the way that like if you've ever been in a car wreck right afterwards and for days after you're like, man, I really wish I could go back and change that moment. Yeah. Like what if this had, (laughs) yeah. What if this had happened? What if that had been different? Um, No, 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 no. Not, not the plot summary. He's talking about just the the fact that you watched the film. Yeah. Would you like to go back and not watch it? You oh no, for sure. It. I'm glad I watched it. Huh? The no, movie film in air quotes. <laughs> the movie is Assassin 33 AD. You can rent it on Amazon Prime. You do have to pay money for it. I I paid money to see this movie. Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime free with commercials. I felt like a papaw because I swear to God, every commercial that came on, it almost blew my speakers on my TV out. They were so loud. I got so angry. And you know, when they do those streaming movies where they just plug in commercials, it's always at a random time. Yeah. So it startles the hell out of you. Mm hmm. Oh, you yeah. sound kind of papawish right well, now. Well, I was, I was been out of shape. It was so <laughs> loud. Someone's gonna get a strongly worded letter from me. Yeah, yeah, Jeff Bezos. I'm emailing him right now. Dear Mr. Bezos. Yeah, Bezos. Well, what's our next movie, Rowdy? All right. So I think in honor of baseball, uh, we could watch the Battered Bastards of Baseball on Netflix. That is a documentary about the 1970s Portland Mavericks baseball team. Free with a subscription. Free with the Netflix subscription, yes. I know, Snoop, you've seen this movie and you've highly recommended it, so we'll we'll give it a shot. So good. If you're familiar with the, I just, uh, what is it? Something country. Oh, Wild Wild Country. Wild Wild Country. It's by the same guys the same brothers oh is that the or the organ cult yes yeah so I when they that. yeah when they were the story behind wild wild country was when they were um researching the battered the portland mavericks the librarian that was helping them kind of mentioned this story hmm. uh, okay. about the cult and they were like wait Say what now? Yeah, that was wild. So they got a whole second movie out of the, all of that from Minshew or Minshew or something. I forget the guy's name. Yeah, yeah, that was wild. Yeah. So, yep, very good movie. Uh, nice. Side note: since we're talking about baseball movies, IMDb is only given a league of their own seven point three. That's a travesty. That. It's a travesty, sir. Sir, yeah. they're going to get a strongly worded email from me. As as I figure out how to use my email. Uh, so I guess the last thing we have is uh, seven feet of yow. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And then we put the we close it out. Yep. Okay. <clears throat> well, that's it. We did it. We did sports episode 141. As always, I want to thank the Minister of Sound, Mikey, Jet Belly Music, the Commissioner, Brandon Casburn, food editor, and now 
official Dennis Chu. Yeah. And the honorary ball boy this week is? The honorary ball boy this week is none other than uh, Charles Barkley, who called the golf match and also talked trash to all the players, and it was hilarious. Chuck's always a good time. Great golf coverage. He should do more of it. And if you want to really giggle, YouTube his golf swing. It's yeah. incredible. Yeah. Thank you, sir, Charles. You'll always be my role model. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or email us at sportsportsportspod at gmail.com with any questions, headlines, or topics you want to discuss. And don't forget to rate us and subscribe. New episodes will be there every Thursday where we will ask, how about some sports? How about it?